Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Wednesday of every month at the Buntport Theater in Denver, Colorado. These stories were recorded live on August 20th, 2014. The theme of the evening was Lost. We'd like to give a special shout out to our newest sponsor, Breckenridge Brewery, who is now providing beer at our live show. Thanks, Breck. If you'd like to know more about Breckenridge Brewery, visit breckbrew.com. Enjoy these stories. Your next storyteller is another comedian. Uh, He has recently moved from Omaha, Nebraska, but he is a Denver favorite. He is beloved in this town. So uh, please give a warm welcome to Ian Douglas Terry. How's it going, guys? This is fun. I feel like you guys are a studio audience right now for like Hot Topic Presents. You can't dress like that anymore, dude. (laughs) It's true. I want to tell you a story uh, about growing up. I know, yeah, the Big Bang Theory's drug dealer is going to tell you a story about growing up. But uh, (laughs) fortunately, I think I have. I don't know if anyone else has, but yeah, I grew up. Uh, At one point, I was in my mid-20s. Anyone here currently in their mid-20s? All right, you're all monsters. You're terrible monsters. When I was in my mid-20s, I was the worst person ever. Like, it was worse than when I was a sexy teen. Like, it was like that times, like, more, because I could legally drink and didn't live with my parents. So it was nuts. And uh, I was was a dude that's in a band at that time, which those are the worst dudes ever. Is anyone here in a band? Quit. Get out of it. It's not cool, man. Unless it's like a sweet band. Like if it's like, it's like you know, like one of those dubstep reggae bands. I'm into that. But uh, now I was in a band. Uh, didn't really do much besides drink and like act like a jerk to people, which I guess that's like most of the band thing anyways. Uh, but uh, my drinking had gotten to a point where people told me they could no longer drink with me. They're like, hey, we, we can't drink with you. It's too scary. And I was like... I wasn't doing anything crazy. Like it wasn't like you know like a buck cherry video. It was just normal. <laughs> but uh, like what they were talking about is, and I don't know if they ever had this here. I feel like Lincoln, Nebraska, was probably the test market for this uh, war atrocity. But it was a uh, an energy drink called Wild Buzz, and it came in liter bottles. Yeah, because they're like, no, this makes sense. They need more of this. <laughs> so I get three of those every single weekend and like a handle of vodka and that's what I would drink the entire weekend and people be like I can't drink you with you anymore because I wake up every hour because my heart is pounding (laughs) and I was like oh yeah no that just happens that's normal right that's just I thought that was just having fun so like I started making all these like life decisions like I was like I should probably fix this it's kind of scary I could probably you know like something bad could eventually happen so I quit drinking Moved to a different city, Omaha, which uh, it's a Counting Crows song. And uh, <laughs> then I decided, you know what? I need to do something else. I need to, I need to like, expand my horizons. I need to move to a, an entirely different place, a place I've never been. And there's a lot of reasons people move places. Uh, like you get like a cool job you know, that pays you a bunch of money. Uh, maybe you have like an existential crisis. <laughs> Mine, it was because I met a girl on the internet. Never move for that reason. 
That's a dumb reason. At the time, it's like, no, this makes total sense. Everything adds up. We both like music. We both like movies. Who else likes those things? This person and me, we know everything about each other. It's done. It's ready. And so I was like, I'm going to move to Atlanta, Georgia. This makes total sense. Uh, so I moved to Atlanta, Georgia and start dating this very nice girl. She was the nicest person ever. She told me she'd never hated anyone in her life. And I was like, how? <laughs> like, how can you exist and not hate at least one person? At least once just be like, man, like, fuck you, Belushi, get out of here. <laughs> that was a weird person to get mad at. I'm sorry. That's a, his restaurant pisses me off. Um, but so I moved to Atlanta. And there was all kinds of stuff that we didn't tell each other about each other because we were just doing the like, what's all the best stuff? Let's just talk about that. Uh, and like, I didn't tell her that I was, I didn't, hadn't had a job ever and had just gone through like the worst drinking and being a terrible person. She thought I was just this cool like rock and roll dude. And then she didn't tell me that both of her parents were separately millionaires and that she made more money than my parents combined. My parents are public school teachers, or were until they retired. So, you know, it's not a ton of money. We know how terrible the public education system is. But still, so it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I bought us a house. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, what do you do? Like, that, I wasn't prepared for any of that. I was like, hey, maybe we'll just hang out and talk about, like, what Saves the Day albums are favorite. I don't know. She's like, I got us a house. And it was a super nice house, a crazy, in the Atlanta suburbs in Kennesaw, like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And her, her mother was like a real estate person, so it was kind of like that, which, oh, hey, she bought us a house uh, four doors down from her mom's house. That's kind of fun. <laughs> and then her dad was the executive for, I think it was an energy company called Tyco. I kept thinking it was like the toy company. I'm like, whoa, sweet. But it was like, it was like no, more oppressive. And so I'm just like, just completely out of place because I don't understand any of that because like, I, I never had more than like a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> so it's like this person just kept buying things and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And she's like, oh yeah, you have to like uh, grow up. And I was like, oh, all right. And she's like, what are your goals? And I was like, uh, what now? I had nothing, I could not come up with a single goal. My goal up to that point had just been like, have fun, dude. And you can't say that to someone and expect them to ever want to sleep with you again. <laughs> so I just started, I was like, I don't know, like maybe like open a record store or something cool. And I was like, where the fuck would I ever open a record store? That's the dumbest thing. And so uh, we started drifting apart <laughs> a little bit. Um, but then I stumbled, like I had, I had like just a car wash job where uh, when you pull up to the car wash, this guy is like, hey, do you want this thing or that thing? Okay, great. That was my job. And it was, yeah, I could handle that. I went, I went to a two-year college. I could nail this. <laughs> and then one day, a dude with, like, the sweetest mullet I've ever seen in my life pulls up in this awesome sports car. And this is one of those things that, like, like yeah, they're right. That happens in movies. But this guy was just like, hey, you're a great guy. Do you want to work for me? And I was like, yes. I don't know. But he didn't tell me what he did. But I was like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you're a Jewish guy with a mullet. I'm 100% on board with whatever you're into. And it was working for a uh, Singular, remember them? Only, only 90s kids will get that. <laughs> but for a Singular agent in the greater Atlanta area. So I became a telephone, uh, cell phone salesman. And I was like making crazy money, which was like, you know, more than a couple hundred dollars. So it was great. And I had this job and I'd become, 
I wasn't the person I was when I left, which is good, but I wasn't me at all. I was just this person, had this job, this, and then there was a person I was dating, had all these expectations. Her mother, super Catholic, made me pray, bought me shirts. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. People had to buy me shirts, obviously. <laughs> like, look at this. And like, uh, it, I didn't have any friends, really, except for the guys I worked with, and they were all from, not from Atlanta, all from different places. And uh, we got a roommate that was her best friend in college who she referred to as, uh, the, what was it, the Night Terror? Where it's like, yeah, the Night Terror's moon. This will be great. Had to kick her out eventually because she, it was a Night Terror, <laughs> not like the kind of just a drunken, weird, real-world type stuff with people yelling and big muscular dudes threatening to knock me out. But uh, so it was just bad. It was bad. And my parents came and visited. Uh, and it, so it was just this weird, surreal thing because they were just real weird the whole time. They're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah. All right. Okay. They're like looking at the house, the yard, the dog. And it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, great. And like in my mind, I was like, I'm finally doing everything that they'd ever want me to. I have an older sister. She was the good one that did all the right stuff. Uh, tennis scholarship. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, she has kids, uh, husband, the whole deal. And then there's me, who was like the idiot that everyone was just super impressed I didn't have a DUI yet. <laughs> and so this whole time, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm finally an adult. I'm doing all these adult things. This, this is me now. And uh, before they left, my mom just goes, I hope you're okay. And it was like the weirdest where I was like, am I okay? <laughs> so to, to wrap this up a little bit, um, how it all ended, because, you know, relationships like that always end real great. A nice handshake, a good how do you do. <laughs> I got a book thrown at me while I was taking a bath. One laugh. Yeah, everyone else is like, why would you throw a book into a bathtub? That's insane. <laughs> and it was a night. It was like one of those whirlpool baths, like a hot tub. Yeah, but a uh, book thrown at me because, uh, you know, she'd had enough of me being me but not me. So I was like, her me, but not me, if that makes any sense. And uh, she goes, I have a new boyfriend now. He's going to be over here all the time. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? And she's like, whatever you want to do. So I got in my car and drove all the way back to Nebraska. And so, yeah, it was, it was a real weird car ride, like uh, going through like, okay, did I fail? Did I like ruin? Was I like, you know, was that the best I could do? And I failed at the best I could do? Maybe there's something wrong with her. She seemed to have her shit together, so I'm probably the one to blame. Uh, and I get back, and uh, I talked to my mom, and she was just like, I'm so happy you're back. That wasn't you at all. That wasn't you. I'm so happy, and like hugged me, and I was like, well, all right. And so now I'm here doing this. I don't know what I would be doing if I was still there. Probably have a lot of nice shirts. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. You're great. So we have another new storyteller coming to the stage. Uh, if you, she is a friend of a friend of the show. So please give a warm welcome to Shelly Cox. Thanks. Um, please be patient with me. This is my first time. I'm in the process of applying for um, an internship, so I'm changing my career at the age of 29, almost 30, which is really difficult with the full-time job. Um, so I am getting, I have to get all my official transcripts for this internship that I'm applying for, and um, I wasn't a traditional student, so I went to 
many schools, and most of them mailed them to me, which was awesome. But this one I had to go and pick up. Um, Colorado Christian University was the first school I went to. Uh, if you don't know it, it's a small Christian school in Lakewood. Um, if you hear me refer to it as the crazy Christian school, it's what it'll be from the rest of the story. Um, but uh, so I went there last Friday to pick up my transcripts. And the campus was kind of empty. The students normally don't have classes on Friday. Um, and they had built a bunch of buildings, and it looked completely different from when I had been there when I was 18. And so I was kind of lost. I didn't really know where I was going. And I, uh, I finally f found someone on campus and asked them where the registrar's office was. And they pointed me in the general direction. And I, uh, I found this new building and got into it, and it was completely empty like I said hello like is anyone there and um, there was no one there and I noticed like a secretary's desk that had it looked like a secretary's desk and I was like well they should be here to pick up and so in my head I'm like well I could I could just look for them like she's not here like they have to be like right there you know and if you've ever been on like a Christian campus or a church at all you kind of feel like God's watching you like <laughs> That's how I felt, you know, but I kind of like went over there anyway, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm going to go through her desk and look for my transcripts. So I did, and I didn't find them. Um, a lot of boring stuff, but um, <laughs> I didn't find them. So I finally went around to the other side of the building um, where people were working, I guess. I don't know. And anyway, I got my transcripts, but all of this um, really reminded me, brought back to me, how I was lost when I was um, 18 and I showed up there for the first time um, fresh out of high school, a little youngin. Um, a little background, I, I'm from Wisconsin, uh, typical Midwest family, um, nothing out of the ordinary. I was a pretty good kid. I mean, I was going to a Christian school for God's sake, so <laughs> I followed the rules, you know, I was a good kid. Um, and uh, another important part of the story and also hilarious part of it is um, I'm gay. Uh, I've known this pretty much my whole life. Um, it wasn't something I really ever questioned. I've just had crushes on girls when I was little instead of guys and it wasn't something I, I don't know, questioned or asked or it was just something I've always like known, I feel like. Um, so uh, looking back when I was 18, I was going to go to the school and I was so full of, uh, you know, everyone wants to go to college, and I wanted to ask the big questions, struggle with life, and do the college thing that every everybody wants. And uh, so I think looking back now, it's it's kind of adorable, like <laughs> that I was so like naive. Like I thought, oh, I can be I can be gay, and I can go to this Christian school, um, which I, I'm sure I'm not. You know, I'm sure you can be a gay, gay, a gay. You can be gay, sorry. You can be gay and a Christian, but um, in, you know, it was cute that I thought that was possible because when I finally showed up at this Christian university, it, uh, it uh, was not, it was not that way. And, you know, so I finally get to um, the crazy school in Colorado and um, all the way from Wisconsin and I'm, uh, you know, you're excited, you're meeting people, you're signing up for your classes, you're signing all these health forms, and, uh, you know, you're meeting your roommates, moving in, and, uh, yeah, so I kind of, like, tried out this coming out thing, which, 
you know, they would be like, oh, do you have a boyfriend back home? And I was like, no, I think I like girls. Like, you never really know, like, how to do that. Um, so I kind of was, like, trying it out. And uh, it, it wasn't, like, well accepted the way my cute little 18-year-old mind thought it would be. And so in my head, I was like, why are they so judgmental, those assholes? Like, God, like, God loves me too, you know? Like, I don't know, I just, I was so cute, you know? And uh, then it just got really real, real fast. Um, so then um, a few days later, I met with, I was asked to meet with a student chaplain. And uh, if you're not familiar with the Christian lingo or that sector, it's kind of like the, I think of it as like the Denver parking police. Like they have too much power and they're everywhere. <laughs> and they're giving you tickets. Like, you know, you've been sitting there one minute, you get a ticket. Like street sweeping, done. Like, so they're kind of like that. They just hand out tickets and they have, they're full of themselves. Um, so anyway, I get asked to meet with the student chaplain and, uh, you know, I'm just like, what's up? Like, cool. And, um, turns out one of the papers that I signed on my first day was something called a lifestyle covenant, which is kind of like the private sector's way of having them follow your rules or you follow the rules. Um, so I learned that I had apparently signed a lifestyle covenant, which among many other things, it was, you know, no sex, no drugs, no smoking. Um, and you can't be gay or be accepting of the lifestyle. Um, so my heart just like dropped. I was like, oh shit, like I did not know this. Like, I don't know, I just, I did not know that. And um, if you know me at all, like I'm a rule follower. Like I, I was a little kid who told on myself, like I, you know, so when someone tells me like before school even started that I was breaking a rule, like I was not, you know, I was just like really anxious. And um, so I was kind of put into this uh, what I guess now would be called ex-gay therapy, but um, uh, at first it was just weekly meetings uh, with the therapist, and they, it, you know, made me sit down with a psychiatrist, and they tried to get me on like a bunch of meds, and they're like, "You're depressed," and I was like, "Am I? I wasn't before I came here. Like, I don't think like, you know." So it was just um, a spiral of doing everything they told me to do to change who I was. And I, you know, gave it the good college try to date guys or, I don't know, it, whatever they wanted me to do. And uh, so I tried it, but uh, you, can't, you can't really change that. And uh, after about a year um, of this, um, you know, just... I feel like I had memorized the Bible or I had uh, done everything they had asked me to do, go to worship, all those meetings and therapy. And I had been on various um, antidepressants, which probably made me depressed, um, even though I wasn't. Um, so uh, after about a year, um, I was really lost on a campus that I thought was going to be this freeing place. Um, and it was really lonely. Um, I think you can only go so long after someone tells you this isn't the way God made you. Like, you start to believe it and you start to um, internalize that. You don't think you're good enough. And I was filled with a, um, a lot of shame about who I was. And it um, just kind of took over my life. Um, I, at this point, I just started to self-destruct. I think anyone 
in that position would um, when you're told that you aren't good enough. And um, I started to take it out on my body because I couldn't change what was inside of me. So I, I stopped eating. I stopped taking care of myself. I, I started to change my body because I couldn't change what was inside of me. And um, it, was, it was a really painful time. Um, and I think at the start of my sophomore year, I kind of accepted that this wasn't changing. Like, if it was going to change and if this was a choice, I would have changed. Um, but I didn't. And so I just, I was, you know, harming myself and really depressed and uh, stopped trying to change. And I was, uh, I sneaked off to Boulder to visit my girlfriend because we're all the other lesbians, you know? So... <laughs> I don't know. I probably, like, Googled it or something secretly. I don't know what I did. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I would, like, go off to do that, and I told my RA about it, and she, you know, we would have these prayer whatever, and I didn't even care at that point. Um, and my RA would kind of, like, scold me or, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Um, mind you, she's the one who I just saw on Facebook who's been in a relationship for, like, five years with a woman. So I don't know what to say about that, but... Um, <laughs> It was a little upsetting. Um, anyway, uh, so I was doing that my sophomore year and basically could have uh, gotten kicked out for my behavior. Um, and I remember at one point, my one of my good friends, Barb, uh, we had a conversation near the end of my sophomore year where she, um, you know, she had her boyfriend on campus and they were having sex. And so we were both kind of like sinners, like we bonded over this like, we're both bad, so we might as well be, like, friends. Um, you know, I was like, I won't tell on you because you're having sex, and you won't tell on me because I'm going to Boulder. Um, so, we had, so we had kind of, like, a mutual uh, friendship going on uh, that benefited us. And we just had a really good conversation where she sat me down, and she was like, you're not a bad person. You're, like, there's nothing wrong with you. Like, you need to stop trying to change. And... You know, I told her the same person. I was like, you're not a bad person for having sex. You know, like simple. But I hadn't heard that in a really long time. And the me that was so confident and adorable at like 18, like that was crushed. And it was so good to hear that from um, my friend. And so thankfully, I uh, I transferred at the end of my sophomore year before I got kicked out. Um, but, I mean, there's been a lot of healing since then. Um a lot of therapy to redo the ex-gay therapy, you know, but I feel like anyone would have to do that. But um, it was, uh, I feel like the more that positive experiences that I've had with coming out, they replace the negative and those people's, you know, opinions don't matter as much. And I think we're all a little bit lost, but I'm not, I don't know, that far gone anymore. And I'm confident in who I am and thankful to share my story. So... Thank you. That was Shelley Cox. The Narrator's Podcast is recorded and produced by Ron Doyle. The Narrator's Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl, or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. 
And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about The Narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to thenarratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening.